Hey, we're so glad you're here this morning. Uh, we'd like to welcome you to Kingwood's Christmas service. Uh, boy, I was thinking about the um, thought of that song and how a baby changes everything. How many of you have ever had a little baby in your house? <laughs> it changes everything, doesn't it? It's not, it's not by accident when Jesus came to earth that he decided to come as a baby. And so we're continuing this series this morning. Uh, since Thanksgiving, we've been talking about the songs of Christmas. Uh, we've been looking at the Christmas story through the lens of songs that were sang at the first Christmas. If you remember, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how um, they were too old to have a baby, but the angel, uh, Archangel Gabriel came to them, so you're going to have a baby, they had a baby. And Zechariah's song was his response uh, to the baby John the Baptist being born. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, we talked about last week, in response to all the confirmations in her life that, um, that, that this baby that was coming was really a miracle of God. And her song was that God still does miracles. Remember Zachariah and Elizabeth, we talked about how God has a plan and you're in it. And then um, uh, Mary, uh, the birth of Jesus, we learn that God still does miracles. Uh, and he does miracles to advance his plan. So you find, though, that these miracles oftentimes come in places that we don't expect. You have a couple too old to have a baby. You have a little town uh, in Nazareth. You have Bethlehem. You have uh, a, a manger, a virgin, um, a poor dad. You just have the unexpected places, and that's what we're going to see uh, in this uh, song this morning. Next week, we're going to look at Simeon's song, and we're going to finish. But today, what I want to do is I want to zoom right in on the very night that Jesus was born. I want to zoom in really close, and I want to look at the very night that God came to earth. You've heard the name already this morning, Emmanuel, when he breathed air from this world. So Gabriel the archangel tells Zechariah and his wife, you're going to have a baby, then Zechariah sings. Gabriel the archangel tells Mary, you're going to have a baby, she has the baby, and then Mary sings. Now, in both those stories, you have three elements. You have an angel, you have a baby, and you have, you have a singer. The night Jesus was born, there was a baby and there was a song, but there was no human singer. The night that Jesus was born, the angels sang. I want you to think about that for a minute. There is no human singer. There is no other dimension. The night that Jesus was born, the song was sang by an angel, and God sent his angels to sing. You find that in Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14. I just want us to read it this morning. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior's been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Here's the song. So the, so the angels have come and announced this to shepherds. Don't miss that. We'll talk about that. But now here comes the song from the angels. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rest. The first Christmas concert was outdoors, at night, in a field on the outskirts of a little town that was on the outskirts of Jerusalem. 
And the only people at the first Christmas concert were a bunch of shepherds whose names we don't even know. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, whoever made the movie, uh, the, the new Star Wars movie that just came out, $60 million was spent on marketing before the film was ever seen the first time by the public. $60 million on telling you the movie's coming. <laughs> That's it. So I, I, I'm sure they broke even like night one, but on that part. $60 million, that's a staggering amount. How different that is from the first Christmas concert. Angels singing to shepherds, not $1 was spent on marketing. That's not to say God didn't leave some pretty good clues. If you read through the Old Testament, for hundreds and hundreds of years, God had been telling the entire earth through prophets that Jesus was coming. Isaiah said, a virgin will, shall conceive and have a son named Emmanuel, which means God with us. Micah predicted Jesus would be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah. So we had some, we had some warnings, but this first concert was no sellout. Wasn't a sellout crowd by any stretch of the imagination because God has other ways of doing work. His plan wasn't to bring the whole world to himself. I love what Manuel said earlier. His plan wasn't to bring the whole world to himself. His plan was to take himself to the world. And that's what Emmanuel means, and that's what the song we're looking at this morning means. So where would you start with a project like that? If you were God and you wanted to take yourself to the whole world, where would you start with a project like that? Well, naturally, you would start on the outskirts of an insignificant town with shepherds whose names we don't even know. That sounds like a plan for failure. Why would you start somewhere like that? Like everything else that happened the first Christmas, it's not what you'd have expected, and 2,000 years later, it still surprises us. Who would have expected people watching sheep at night in an empty field? Shepherds were usually, I don't know if you know this or not, but shepherds were usually untrustworthy, unreliable, and most often unemployed. Most of the time they were lonely old men or drifters down on their luck or young boys whose families had hired them out to try to offset some of the poverty of the family. What's most surprising though is this, and this is what I want you to catch this morning. The fact that angels came and sang the first Christmas song to nameless shepherds in the field is not an accident. They didn't happen to be in the right place at the right time. They weren't lucky. This somehow was God's plan. God sent his angels to purposely sing to these men and announce to them this good news. They were deliberately chosen. Now, how differently I was thinking that you and I probably would have handled it. If you and I were in charge of the first Christmas and the events and the festivities and the first song and all of that, how would we have handled it differently? We would have sent out invitations. There would have been a multi-million dollar campaign to get the word out. All the world's dignitaries would have a VIP section right up front. They would be flying from cities all over the world into this VIP section. We would have rented out the Rockefeller Center in New York City. There'd be a shock and awe campaign on Facebook so we could really get the word out that Jesus is coming. Adele and Usher would have been the opening act for Jesus, warming everything up, getting everybody ready. World-class symphony would have accompanied the angel song. Paparazzi would have lined out every door of the building with red carpet so we could take snapshots of all the dignitaries, selfies with them in the back. This event would have been sold out 20 years in advance. How different God is than we are. He does nothing by accident. He does everything with a purpose. 
He picked shepherds. Why? Why? Why them? Why there? Why at night? Why in a field? I'll tell you why I think. Because the angel song is for everybody. The message in the song is for drifters and for those down on their luck and nobodies and people everybody else forgot and those on the outskirts of town and nobodies from nowhere that have no claim to fame in this world. There had been thousands of other nights just like this one. And now, from out of nowhere, a blinding light shines on earth. Angels appear, they make an announcement, followed by a short song. And then suddenly, just as quick as it began, nighttime. Silence. Twinkling stars. Bleeding sheep. Bleeding. Like, did you see that? Did I really see that? But the message lingered in their heart. Now, here's the question. The message lingered in their heart, and they ran back to Bethlehem, maybe five or six miles out of town they were. They ran back to Bethlehem to see the baby that the angels sang about. And when they got there, they were so overjoyed. Verse 17, look at what it says. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They spread the word. They told everybody they found, you got to know that things have just changed. What was the message that lingered in their heart? What, what was it that they saw when they, when they encountered the baby Jesus? What was it? When they saw this child, what was the word that they spread when they left the manger? Here's the word. Now, this is important. This is what the whole service is for. Here's the word they spread. Emmanuel. Here's the thing. Never again would people have to go looking for God. Never would we have to go to a high priest. Never would we have to search. Never would we have to long. Never would we have to look for. Never would we have to reach out to try to find where is God. God has once and for all finally answered the question for all of world history to see and to know, Emmanuel, God is with you. Not just us, not just them, not just shepherds. If he's with shepherds, surely he's with everybody else. The, the question has been answered. The cosmic question has been answered. God is here. God is with us. We'll never have to look for him again because he's here with us now and always. And can I tell you something? That message is still spreading on the earth today. Did you know that at Scrooge, our six performances, 166 people prayed to follow Jesus with all their heart? Would you give God a great big hand for that? 166 people. And do you know why that's true? Because the message that the angel sang is still spreading, and people that go and see the baby are still telling other people. All over the world today, millions and millions of people. I got an email um, last week. 
that was so uh, encouraging to me, I wanted to read it to you. I got it from a lady who attended one of the Scrooge performances, and listen to what she said. Tell me if you can't find Emmanuel. Tell me if you can't find God with us in this email. She said, I'm not sure if you'll be able to read this, but that prayer, that prayer that I prayed with your church during Scrooge has changed my whole point of view. I felt like I distanced myself from God, but that prayer made me feel so much closer to Him than I have ever been. Thank you so much for that. God bless you. Isn't that cool? Super cool. Well, I'm going to ask Pastor Clark to come. He's going to share a story with you that kind of drives this point home a little further. We had a team that took a mission trip to China for the first time in our church's history. He's going to tell you a little bit about that story. But here's what I want you to be thinking about in the back of your mind when Clark's telling the story. I want you to think about the, the Christmas songs and how this series, series has, has encouraged us to look at Christmas differently. Here it is. God has a plan. You're in it. He will do miracles to make that plan work. And God is with us. I want you to think about that when Clark tells the story. Clark? Thank you, Pastor Jay. I, I, I do have a story to share from the China trip, but first I, I just want to let our church family know uh, how well our 20-member team from Kingwood Church represented this church and represented the Lord in a very unique and complex culture and ministry setting. I, I could not have been more proud. You see the picture behind us of, of our team along with several of the friends uh, that we made there. Our mission on this trip was to fund and to participate in the construction of a church building for a congregation in a suburban area of the Hubei province of East Central China. Now, they called this suburban community, they called it a village. We'd probably call it Hoover, uh, but that just shows that everything's on a little bigger scale in China. Once we got to the village, where we would serve, and, and we, we, we settled in, started laying brick and mixing mortar. One of the first things that we noticed was that there, present on the work site were, were government officials who were specifically assigned there to monitor uh, our activities. There were three of them, two, two men and a woman, and they identified themselves as working for the Religious Affairs Bureau. And at first, it was a little unnerving to have them there watching our every move. They really came that first day sort of wearing their game face. And as the first day wore on, the, the two men began to relax a little. They even grabbed a shovel a couple of times and, and, and helped us. On the second day, some of our ladies got to spend time with the female official, whom they assigned the American name Susanna to her. I think we have a picture here. Uh, Susanna's the one on the right. Um, one of the ladies on our team, Kyra Moncrief, uh, asked Susanna if she had a relationship with Christ. And, and Susanna gave a response that I think really impacted our team. She said, no, I can't. I belong to the government. But the fact that she was asked, it sparked something, a, a sense of hope in her. And she softened around our ladies and stuck close to us for the rest of the week. The two men also, they got more and more comfortable with us, probably in part because they, they really enjoyed receiving, you know, the exploding fist bumps from Balaji. 
So now on the last day at the work site, um, we had a celebration ceremony where we prayed over the church and, and their building. And I think you can see the picture there. Uh, and the Lord impressed us to pray for these officials as well. When the ceremony ended, we went out to take the picture that you see on the screen there. And the three government officials asked if they could be in the picture. So there they are. Now, don't take a picture of this and post it on Facebook, please. But I just wanted you to see the faces of three people who were far from God. And because of your team's love, they're drawing near to him. You know, there, there are many wonderful stories of God's work from this trip. And all of these stories center in his activity uh, in the hearts of individuals and how he used different members of our team to reach out and minister from, from government officials to college students to tour guides. We went to the largest mass of humanity on earth to be reminded of the most basic lesson that God loves the individual. But the main story I want to share with you this morning is about a man that our team met at the airport as we were transitioning back to Beijing for the free day at the end of the trip. One of the rewards of a missions trip that we enjoy, those who've been on one, it, it's nice at the end when you've worked and ministered and given out, it's nice to have a free day at the end where we can relax and, and sightsee and, and shop. Everybody looks forward to that, kind of shifting gears and, and having a little time to, to enjoy ourselves. Well, this trip was no different, and uh, we didn't just have any sightseeing ahead of us. We had the Great Wall of China and, and some of the world's great shopping because, you know, everything is made in China. Um, so we were very excited. But when we got to the gate at the airport, and we're about to board our plane back to Beijing for this recreation time, the flight was abruptly canceled due to snow on the ground in Beijing. The airline rebooked our flight, on a, our team, on a 3 p.m. flight the next day, uh, and they booked us in a hotel that was about 45 minutes away by, by bus, and they told us, go claim your baggage get on a shuttle and, and go to that hotel. Now, I'd be lying if I said anybody on the team was excited at this point. Um, I think I was the last one to get back on the bus. In that moment, I, I was tired. I was a little frustrated. I just wanted to sit and chill and not really interact with anyone. And I kept thinking to myself, what in the world are we going to do in the next 20 hours while we wait to, to go have fun, to fly to Beijing? Well, I sat down to, next to my wife, Kelly, and, and I noticed that she was very excited. Now, knowing how much she had looked forward to Beijing bargain hunting, I thought this was quite strange. And she said to me, she said, Honey, this is Alex. He speaks good English. He wants to meet you. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I was somehow being set up. Alex was a short, thin, very friendly young man. Right out of the gate, he says to me, I've been reading the Bible. I have a lot of questions about God. Could you help me? Now, at the same time that I was thrilled that this young man was open to the gospel, I was looking for a greater theologian or evangelist to hand him off to. But in this case, God had arranged a divine appointment for me and him. So we started to talk. I think our team was eavesdropping all the way to the hotel, and no doubt they were praying. 
One of the things I learned about Alex was that he was a newlywed, and his wife and sister-in-law were with him uh, on the bus. He had gotten married two days before in his wife's hometown, and now he was taking her back to his home in Beijing. Another thing I learned about Alex was that he was a professional Chinese-English translator who had just started his own translation business, which means he spoke better English than I did. Well, when we got to the hotel, he asked if he could join me for dinner. So the conversation continued, and I I shared with him, as did other members of our team. Then as dinner ended, he said to me, I wish we could continue talking. Do you like to drink tea? I almost answered, yes, Milo's tea, but I knew what he was asking, and I knew why he was asking it. So after dinner, Alex and I found a tea room where we sat with a Bible opened and talked late into the night. He had dozens of good questions. I'm not sure I answered all of them very well, but I was amazed at how God brought Scripture to my mind. And it seemed like we went from the law to the prophets to the poetic books to the gospels to the epistles and back. I could see his heart opening up more and more as we talked and trust beginning to form between us. As we started to wind that long conversation down, my inclination was to try to extract a sinner's prayer out of him so I could go to bed feeling good that night. But I could tell by where we were in that conversation and by the witness of the Holy Spirit that it was not yet time. So I just asked if I could pray for him. So I prayed what I felt was right in that moment. And when I looked up, his eyes were wide open staring at me. I don't think he even blinked during the prayer. And I realized... He, he didn't have a frame of reference for how to do any of the spiritual disciplines that are so second nature to all of us. And it was refreshing to see such a hungry heart. Well, we ended up at breakfast together the next morning. And then we sat in the hotel lobby all morning talking. And finally, we had lunch together and continued our conversation. Once we got back to the airport, we got on the plane to Beijing. Of course, we were on the same flight. And... I was amazed, although not surprised by that point, he was sitting on the same row with me. (laughs) If I've ever had a clear appointment with a person set by God, I, I knew my time with Alex was just that. Finally, we landed in Beijing, and in baggage claim, our team got to tell Alex and and his wife and sister in law, we got to tell them goodbye, and we swapped emails to stay in touch. Now I'll tell you, we Alex and I have had some some great exchanges by email since then. But I wanted to share just an excerpt of the email he sent me just a few days after we got home. He said, Dear Clark, I am thankful for the conversation we had in China. I am also thankful for your blessings in the hotel tea house. I believe that our meeting in China was not a coincidence, and I really appreciated the arrangement by God As I said at the airport in Beijing, I think I am getting closer to God. Finally, I will get there. Clark, you were removing the doubts in my mind all the way here in China. Thank you for your time and great patience. Always remember, there is one more friend of yours sending his best wishes from Beijing, China. Now you have one more link. Let's keep in touch. Your friend, Alex. For one day... God had a different assignment 
for our 20 team members than the schedule that we had planned. 10,000 miles from home, our world was stopped for a day to intersect with one young man who had a hunger to know who God truly is. And the reason this could happen is not because of us, but because God came near and dwelled among us. God is not a distant, transcendent being, but he is a God who took on human flesh and lived among us, the presence of God on earth. That's what Alex had been experiencing and trying to understand. That's how God had been preparing Alex's heart by coming near him. Our team just got to witness Emmanuel at work. You know, the world is full of Alex's and Susanna's, and God came near for all of them. Amen. Wow. When Clark came home and told me that story, I said, Clark, you have got to share that at our Christmas service because it says, why shepherds? Why at night? Why in a field? Why does any of that matter? Because God is close to everybody. That doesn't mean everybody serves Him. It doesn't mean everybody follows Him. It means that God is personally reaching and loving every person. And if that includes shepherds, and that includes Alex and China, I bet it also includes you. So wherever you are this morning, whatever brought you to this service, I don't know why you came. Maybe you're visiting in town with relatives. Maybe you just thought it's close to Christmas, and I'll come back. I'll come to service, see what happens. Maybe you're just reuniting with old friends. Maybe you come every week. God is trying to tell us something. He doesn't have preferences. His preference is you. He loves you. As you are, where you are. And He wants to be in deep relationship with you. That's the whole miracle of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Pastor Mark said this to me after one of the Scrooge performances. He said, you know... And I'm, I, now that I read the email from the lady who sent it, I'm curious if it was that night. He said, I just, my heart is so full. He said, I think people that, that have been away from God or distant from Him or have never met Him, he said, I think their assumption is that God is far away. I think their assumption is that He doesn't care or doesn't know or doesn't think of them or is far away. But he said, it's not true, it's not true. He's close. And so filled with that message, so many of the nights of Scrooge, Mark took the platform and said, he's closer than you think. And boy, is he. So this morning, we want to celebrate his presence. And I like how Clark said that God came to the earth in, in human flesh. And do you know how the message is still spreading? God's presence are in His believers all over the earth, and the message is still spreading that way. I want to ask our communion team if you would come. We want to celebrate His presence this morning. And we're going to share communion with you. Our communion team is coming. They're going to prepare the elements. Let me give you a couple of thoughts before we do that. 
before we receive communion, I'm going to pray with you. And if you've come into this service this morning and you say, you know what? I'm, I'm far away from God. Or I felt this morning was a divine appointment for me. Just like our whole team's plane was delayed 24 hours so that that divine appointment on that train could begin with Alex. Maybe this is a divine appointment for you. And so, if that's you, I just want to pray with you this morning. Maybe in your heart you say, I'm empty, I'm longing, I want to connect with God, I want to reconnect with God. And if that's the case, today today may be that day for you. And before you receive communion, man, I would love for you to pray that prayer. I would love for you to reconnect with God and to sense His presence in your life. He really is close. So I want to pray with you. And and I want to also say to you, if you're here visiting, uh, maybe today you're not a believer. It's completely okay for you not to take communion. You don't need to feel any pressure to receive the communion elements or, or take communion. I would actually guide you from Scripture not to. But as a believer this morning, if you're a believer, I encourage you, take communion, receive, celebrate Christ's presence. We look back to His birth in this act and we look forward to His coming. If you need to pray that prayer, I want to ask you before we move to communion, would you pray with me? Every eye closed in the room. If you say today, I need to reconnect with God. Every eye closed. I need to reconnect with God. Would you just pray with me? Would you lift your hand? I'm just going to pray right where you are. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me today. I need to reconnect with God. I need... I see your hand, I see your hand. Two, three, put it right back down in the back, I see it. I need to reconnect with God. God brought you here today for this purpose. In the balcony, I see your hand. Anywhere anywhere else, I'm looking on the floor. Just lift it up and put it down. I'm just going to pray with you. Yes, I see your hand. See your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Boy, I am so glad for those of you who lifted your hand. Can I tell you, God's presence is for you and He's close and He loves you. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for being close today. I thank you for stopping this service and talking to me. I thank you for loving me. God, I ask you today, if you would wash me, clean me, put me in right relationship with you, wash away everything that I've done, heal every scar and wound in my heart, and make me what you want me to be. Today I love you, and I respond to you, and I want to walk with you. Give me the strength to walk in relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Boy, would you give those folks who just prayed that prayer a great big hand and encourage them? Boy, this is a a great moment. This is what Christmas is about. We have people with communion elements uh, here and here in the balcony and then in the front here and in the middle of the aisles all across the room. In just a minute, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And if you would just simply go to the...
Carson.